Welcome to Real Paranormal Activity, the network. Entertainment you'll enjoy. You are listening to an RPA production where people gather. Ladies and gentlemen, RPA is proud to present Aaron's Horror Show with Aaron Frail. This is Jason Witter, author, illustrator of Tiny's Vampire and Monsters Eating Ice Cream, and you are listening to Aaron's Horror Show. are listening to Aaron's Horror Show, and I'm your host, Aaron Frail. We get to read fiction on the show and talk about some movies, books, you name it. If you like what I do here, please consider supporting the show at patreon.com forward slash Aaron Frail. You'll get some books and other cool stuff for your support. Go ahead and also reach out to me at Aaron's Horror Show at gmail.com, Aaron Horror Show on Twitter, or Aaron's Horror Show on Facebook. Thank you so much for listening and enjoy. Welcome to Aaron's Horror Show, and I'm your host, Aaron Frail. We got more touristic you for you. And don't forget, Cal's Duty is on Amazon. Your help uh, with a purchase of this it w- would make me very happy. <laughs> I would I would I would love your your help uh with it and honestly yeah if you can't afford it don't worry about it but if you like what i do you want to support me financially this is the time to do it especially if you're enjoying these uh stories so uh yeah thank you so much check out cal's duty link in the show notes all right well thank you so much and uh yeah i will go ahead and uh read you some more uh touristic you so yeah here we go Hayden's Dilemma. Grenork and Cal walked deeper into the mine shaft. The walls were solid rock, and she used an LED at the tip of her PK-30X Enforcer plasma pistol to light the way. They weren't sure how far the Tristicue sensors could penetrate the rock, so it was better to be safe than sorry. Cal didn't fear getting lost because one of the perks of having a computer chip in her head was mapping out the tunnels as they went. However, they were cut off from the dervish, the communication technology that would allow them to transmit through entangled particles and punch through the mounds of rock between them and their ship would alert the humans to their location. They might be able to encrypt the message, but they couldn't hide the signal. If Cal knew Maker, he would already be well into a rescue attempt. In the meantime, a little exploration couldn't hurt. If they had any luck, maybe they'd find something to value the miners who had abandoned this planet left behind. Perhaps they would stumble on a smuggler's cache. Before they got the dervish, her crew lived hand-to-mouth for a while, so it wasn't the first time she had scavenged through an abandoned outpost. Now that they had a reputation and a legendary ship, The jobs were so abundant that she could afford to be picky, 
If the pay wasn't worth the risk, or even if there were moral objections from one of the crew, she would pass and go to the next job. The heist of the dervish put her on the list of famed pirates in the galaxy. Some captains preferred mercs, mercenaries, and all sorts of other titles. Pirates suited her just fine. She had grown fond of the swashbuckling anti-hero from Hayden's movie night, and would never miss one about the high seas of Earth's past. She had intercepted a shipment of atmospheric stabilizer AI chips from an Earth-based corporation that had a reputation for threatening native populations of their colonized worlds poorly. They were worth quite a bit of money because one chip controlled an entire human compatibility terraforming process. They could be reprogrammed for all sorts of criminal activity that involved crunching large amounts of data. While cheating at games of chance or laundering large sums of money, hamstringing the decimation of another native population by humans was just a side bonus. That was why she hadn't been too distraught when the Terrisku blew her payday shuttle from the sky. However, what Cal couldn't shake about the incident was the way the Grandpa Menlor hadn't asked about the ships or even given them a thought. The beast seemed more interested in her starship than her cargo. A robbery she could understand. There were plenty of ruffians and villains who tried to get the edge on her over the years. However, there was a sense of desperation from the creature. Either way, she would have to chat with her fence about the incident. To Cal, trust was a much bigger issue than any money she could make. The safety of her crew mattered more than the coin ship account that had admittedly grown more than she could have imagined since the heat cooled down from ripping off the humans and the people would work with them again. Look at this, Granork said and beckoned Cal over to the other side of a large chamber they had discovered. Cal crossed the middle towards the dot of Granork's light. The walls and the ceiling disappeared as she passed through the center. Once she got closer to the other edge, she could see stalactites again looming over her head. Finally, the rocky wall came into view. She cocked her head and touched the wall. It was stained with blood. There wasn't just one splatter, but many. The spot looked as if it was used to execute people over and over again. She didn't have any of the science features installed on her implants, or else she would have been able to scan the DNA and match it to the database to figure out the species. Granorick looked from a short distance ahead. Cal turned from the killing wall and walked towards Granork. He stood in a makeshift mess hall that the miners must have used on their rakes. It was just a few tables and a chairs with a stove for heating food. The hall was abandoned and tarnished from neglect. Most disturbing detail was among the remnants of the artifacts were bones. There were piles of human bones. Do you think this might be a place where gangs executed their rivals? Granork said as he surveyed the scene. Cal examined the pile and shook her head. The bones look like they were used for food. An animal fed on the carcasses. No, what I'm saying is that these bones were chipped away by tool use. Whoever ate these humans at least knew how to carve the meat for consumption. They ate each other then, Granark asked. I don't know. Let me check something. Cal pulled a wiki on her implant. While she couldn't store the entire database, of her ship on her person, she had saved a general knowledge of the site on her ship. Due to the circumstances of where Cal grew up, a lot of the things that most people thought of as common knowledge was new to her, so she stored information 
she thought was useful when she navigated the complicated social realm. Cal had drawn a blank stares and even ridicule for her ignorance on some subjects. She searched the wiki for any knowledge about this planet and didn't find much. There was a short entry about how an outpost was abandoned by a company known as Core Mining Associates Limited. Seamal released a statement about how the minerals in the mine were inaccessible without better equipment and more advanced techniques. From the look of it, they weren't making any profit, so they packed up and went home. However, Cal had gotten pretty good at knowing when an authority was lying, and it seemed like accessing the ore was the least of their concerns. The cost to set up a permanent base with a landing pad meant they had resources for a large-scale mission. There was no way they would have built the outpost if there was a danger of the mine drying up. She decided to try a different angle and put the Grantham Enlor into the search results. Maybe the creature she had faced was more than just an opportunist. After a while, Granrock said, Did you find anything? Cal scanned the wiki page for the Grantham Enlor race, an article about a professor who was given a few dead Grantham Enlors and a few live ones to study. The Board of Ethics pulled the plug on the researcher when they found that the creatures he had were sentient. I failed to see how this connects, Granrock said. The Grantham Enlors in the study were provided by CMAL around the same time they shut down the mining operation. Are you saying they're native to this planet? It's hard to believe when the surface is so inhospitable, Granrock conjectured. Uh, anything is possible. Maybe they were stranded here? They knew how to work a shuttle and were interested in our ship, Cal said. Regardless of what happened, something ate these people, and we should be careful while we're monitoring these caves. A noise from the dark interrupted their conversation. Cal messaged Granork to cover her while she went to investigate. Their implants could communicate with each other through wireless technology. If they didn't go too far from each other, they would be able to remain in contact. She pulled out her weapon and switched to the infrared spectrum. The visible range was different for each species. It was better than a flashlight to investigate the sound. She sent a message to Granork and told him to circle the chamber while she went through the center. Because the area was so massive, she couldn't be sure how many tunnels branched from her position. However, considering their circumstance, there's a good chance that someone had followed them inside. She stepped forward with the gun raised. Usually, she'd only use weapons when she had no other choice. Even the thieves and brigands of the galaxy didn't like pistols pointed in their faces. However, because the bones were discarded like refuse, she imagined that things she encountered would regard her as food. Because wildlife on her home world was swift and deadly, she had an acute sense of the space around her. She felt the whoosh of air as something large was about to strike. She turned in time to see a Grantham Enlor swinging its pincher towards her. She ducked at the last possible moment, and the claw hit the floor of the cave, taking a large chunk out of the ground. It wasn't the one that assaulted her on the platform, but a large one like the mates. Cal was pretty sure she could convince the being the Turisticue were responsible for the planetary bombardments. We don't need to do this, Cal ducked another blow from the pinchers and dodged an attack from the rear as the creature swung around to trample her. My, my people didn't attack you. The Turisticues are surrounding this planet. Your words mean nothing. The bug shrieked and sent another attack her way. She ducked, rolled, and dodged. It was good that most of her childhood friends could break her bones while they were roughhousing. She was quite adept at evading attacks. 
But humans, Cal said. Star species, anything? You mean meat stock? We cook these tresticues in the center flame. I have never tasted meat from the void before. I look forward to dining on your flesh. Cal dodged more blows and in between attacks said, Trust me when I say there's a lot of folks in the galaxy would cheer you on when you dine on humans. But since I'm half human, remind me never to invite you to a potluck. The Tristicues aren't really fond of me either, so maybe we can go by the old-fashioned human saying, the enemy of my enemy is my friend. All surface dwellers are our enemy, or our food supply. The creature hissed and lunged forward. Cal had enough of the dance routine and sidestepped the attack. She ejected a blade from her retrofitted Turarian bracers, even though the deadly cargo had already been delivered. The device could fit any weapon of the same size and shape, so it was easy enough for Maker to engineer her a blade made from pure decrin. While the Turisticu armor could withstand her weapon, she bet this bug's exoskeleton wouldn't. She pressed the blade against the creature's throat and said, I tried to find a solution that would benefit both of us, and I still might have one for you now. Cal! Granark's voice bellowed from behind. You took your time. Did get lost? I was almost dinner here, Cal jested. After being around Hayden, she was beginning to handle the phenomenon humans called sarcasm. She had realized the crew responded to her a little better when she joked around over the less severe issues. But when she didn't hear the grunt that was Granrock's equivalent of rolling his eyes, she knew something was wrong, even before she turned around. The Grantham Enlors were thorax to thorax, filling the cave as far as she could see. Several were holding Granork down with their pinchers, and there was one clamped around his neck. She knew that the creature had squeeze, and that was it for Granork. She dropped the dagger. The one she had been fighting threw her into the ground and stomped on her with several legs. The Grantham Enlors hauled them farther into the cave system, luckily not to the discarded bone pile. At least not yet. All right. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, I appreciate you uh, hearing uh, <laughs> these stories. Once again, don't forget to look at Cal's Duty on Amazon. And thank you so much. Mm -hmm.